All right. Well, welcome to the very first episode of the Pro Writer Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Blanchard, and today I have with me Elizabeth Craig. She is an author, and she actually writes traditionally and self-publishing, so she is um, the writer for Southern Quilting Mysteries and Memphis Barbecue Mysteries for Penguin Random House, and she also does the Myrtle Clover series for Midnight Inc., and she's just recently started self-publishing. She has a blog, which has been named one of the 101 best websites for writers by Writer's Digest, and she also curates links on Twitter. I will put all of the links to her blog and her Twitter in the show notes, so you can check them out after this, and welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me today. What an honor to be on podcast number one. Thank you for thinking of me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the thing that I was most interested for you is that you do a hybrid of publishing traditionally and self-publishing. And I think that's something a lot of writers are thinking about or that maybe they don't realize they could even do. So I, I love that you've been doing that. It's it's always an option. Uh, if you're not really sure which way you should go, you could try both ways. Uh, there's nothing to prevent you from doing that. There's no wrong answers. If you're not happy with traditional publishing, you can do what I did and just get your rights back and, and start self-publishing. So I don't think there's really any wrong options um, between the two. Awesome. All right, so I want to start by asking you a little bit of your backstory. So how did you get to where you're at in your writing life right now, where you're writing for these big publishing houses and, and all of that? Uh, well, I've always been a writer. I think a lot of us were just kind of born that way. I'm definitely a one-trick pony. Uh, it's a good trick, but it's, it's really that's the only choice I really had. I started out as a magazine journalist um, back in the early 90s, until I kind of kept fighting this overwhelming desire to make stories up, <laughs> which is not a great trait in the journalist, um, but yeah. it is a good one for a novelist. They don't really like made-up stories for magazines um, in particular. So you get so in trouble I, for that. Yeah, <laughs> you can get in trouble. You can get into a lot of trouble. So I'd be like, oh, this story would be so much better if I just added all this stuff in, and I'm going, oh, this isn't a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I started, I've always been a big mystery reader as a kid even, Nancy Drews, Trixie Belden's, all of that. Um, as an adult, was reading uh, Agatha Christie's, M.C. Beaton, and decided, you know, there comes a moment where you're like, you know, I think I could I could write one of these. And um, for me, it was, um, I think one of the most important traits for a writer is just pig-headedness, just complete stubborn um, you know, being a completely stubborn person. So I came up with the book concept. I wrote the book while I had, you know, a toddler who was, you know, I'd put her in front of the Teletubbies or whatever, spend five minutes a day, do about a page every day. Came up with something and sent it off. And I was having a real hard time getting traction with an agent. It was probably uh, like 100, 110 rejections from agents. Um, decided to start sending them directly to publisher slush piles, you know, unrequested manuscripts, send it right over to them. And I, I knew it would probably just rot in the slush pile. But oddly enough, I got two offers for that story. One of them was from Midnight Inc., and I got, got heard from them first. So that was the one I went with. And then Penguin also was interested in, in the book as well, but I had already signed a contract with Midnight Inc., um, and that's a very odd kind of way to um, to start out, but that is that is the way it, it happened for me. Amazing! That's amazing. 
And uh, since this is Mindset Podcast, I wanted to ask you about, you said you got rejected 110 times, and this is something I think writers fear so much is the rejection process and not even wanting to pitch because they're afraid that if they get rejected, it's going to ruin everything, you know, that they're not going to keep going. And so what is the mindset around that? So being someone who wasn't willing to take no for an answer, you know, how did that kind of go for you? Uh, you know, it it worked really well because I just thought – I, I don't think I, I mean, I took it seriously. I mean, it wasn't like I said, oh, no, you really do want this story or this is a great story. I just thought this is not the right story for this agent. And if they don't feel it's the right story for them, then the way, of course, the business works is they work their contacts in publishing. So if they don't have the right contacts in publishing to sell the book, then they weren't the right agent for me. So it's sort of a dual interview process in a way. Um, so when you get a rejection, I think it helps to say, this just wasn't the right agent. They they don't know the right people. These, this is not somebody who's going to help me out because the last thing you want is to take on an agent that's not going to do do you any good, you know. And then you're just kind of sitting there with an agent. It's like a marriage. I mean, you're you're you know absolutely with that person. Especially if you end up signing a contract, then if you're making money on that book, then they're making money too. I mean, you're bound to eternity <laughs> with that agent. So I think for me, I was like, okay, well, this just isn't the right person. Let me keep looking. And then I started thinking, well, this is this is harder to get an agent than it is maybe to get a publisher. So let me just, and this is just me, again, being sort of pig-headed. I, I, th- I thought this was a decent story. I'm going to go ahead and just send it directly in whether they want it or not. Um, and it ended up working out. Is that something to be recommended I don't know, but I think the mindset can be because that's a way that we can we can definitely push through and just achieve our goals is just to be stubborn about our work and not be, um, you know, I'm not, I wasn't strident about it. I didn't think it was the best story ever. It's definitely not. It's a fun story. But I thought that somebody out there should want the story. And I think that that really needs to be, particularly in this day and age where there's so many different options and there's smaller press, there's somebody out there who needs, who needs our story, and we just need to find them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love I love how you call it a dual interview process because I think that's such a good way to frame it so that you don't see it as I'm being rejected. It's like no, this is just not the right fit. Keep going. Exactly. So I I absolutely love that. Love it. Love Thanks. it. So you recently started doing your own publishing and. I would love to hear a little bit about why you made that decision and what you're actually publishing on your own now. Yes. Uh, And that was a little convoluted as well. Uh, I did start out, as I mentioned, with Midnight Inc., and they were interested in my first book in that series. That's the Myrtle Clover series. They were not interested in book two. So I think rejection continues (laughs) Uh, even after you see some success. And they didn't want book two. And my agent, I had an agent by that time. I did end up with two publishers before I had an agent. So uh, that does, sometimes it is tricky to get an agent. Um, My agent said, well, do you want us to shop it to another publisher? And I thought, you know, I I don't. Because at that point, it was 2010, 2011, and uh, I was hearing all this really big stuff about self-publishing. It was the time of Conrath and Amanda Hawking where they were just making a killing as self-publishing. That was okay. I was doing all right as a traditional publisher at that point, but I wasn't hitting the numbers for sure that they were. Uh, Still am not, but um, not even a fraction at the time. 
And so just their income reports alone were enough to make me eager to try it for that series. For Penguin Random House, I just recently got my character rights back for that series, and that's because I wasn't—I was not happy with the last contract I saw from them. Uh, they obviously have had a tremendous merger. In fact, unfortunately, my editor was laid off, uh, much to my sorrow, because I thought she was going to end up being probably president of Penguin. She was awesome. Um, but I, with all the changes, and I saw the last contract, it was a digital-only deal. And that's not what I needed Penguin Random House for. Uh, I used them for Barnes & Noble primarily. And so that's where my books are. They're all in the bookstores. And so I just thought, no, that's just not that's not going to work for me. Let me, you know, I just asked for my character rights back, and they were granted to me, and I published a book in that series in May. Uh, so, again, it, it, they really, it was really business decisions for me. Uh, due to a rejection and due to a contract that I wasn't happy with. Interesting. So you said character rights. So does that mean that they still have your published books, but now you're able to write about those same characters again however you want to? Exactly, yeah. And that's probably the best deal you can get. Um, you cannot usually, unless I've never heard of anybody being able to get the rights back to the previously published books. Penguin Random House will always be able to publish print and digital versions of books one through five in that series. Uh, but what they did was they allowed me to continue writing about my characters and the story world that I created with similar branded covers, very tricky there, um, and just and then obviously whatever else I need to do, it needs to be my own branding and um, kind of taken away a little bit from Penguin. It's a little tricky, but you're just writing, you're taking your own characters in your story world, and you just know that moving forward you can do whatever you want to, but you just can't, you don't have any rights to do anything with the stuff that they already published, including audio, which I'm a big audiobook fan, uh, but they hold all those rights. Wow, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> now with Midnight um, Inc., I did I did get some rights back. I did get print rights back um, for the first book, but not um, digital. And I didn't really at first think I was going to do much with print, but print. I mean, it's not dead yet. So I actually put out another print edition of that book um, because it had gone out of print, and it's selling actually pretty well now. So sometimes when things go wrong, it can actually help you out long term. Yeah, it's like a blessing in disguise. It is, yeah. Awesome. So when do you do any nonfiction at all? Like I know you said you blog for um, about writers and writing, so do you do any nonfiction books or is it just straight fiction? I have not had any time to do anything but fiction. Um, I, I would be interested possibly in doing some nonfiction in the future, and I was actually approached a couple of times by publishers about doing some nonfiction about kind of odd things. I have a Memphis barbecue series, and so they wanted me to do a barbecue book, and I was like, oh, that's not really, not really my thing. <laughs> you know, you get sometimes <laughs> odd offers. Uh, for things, but uh, I wouldn't be, I would like to have maybe something for writers, but I think it would be probably a little bit more of a memoir type, you know, part memoir and part how-to. I think there's so many others who who do the craft stuff so much better than I do, then um, I was like, eh, it would just need to be a personal, maybe a personal tale with some writing tips interwoven in there. Yeah, that's that's a good point, and there are a lot of people who do craft, so one way to differentiate yourself a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to your daily writing habits and sort of your day-to-day writing life, what is your process like or do you have a series of habits or maybe like a morning routine or anything like that that you do that sort of keeps you focused on your writing and the creativity and all of that? I do. I mean, at this point, I would say it's pretty much almost like a muscle memory. I get up really early before anyone else in the house is up, and I shoot for really it's a pretty um, modest, I think, writing goal is three double-spaced pages a day. And whatever I don't finish absolute first thing in the morning, I usually do it in the early afternoon in the carpool line in front of the high school. Um, I have a basic outline that I use when I finish a book in that series. I have two series right now that I'm keeping up. And so if I finish a book in one series, I write the outline for the next book in that series before writing the book for the other series. That just kind of keeps me in that story world a little bit better. And my process is, you know, it's pretty simple. I write the back cover copy, then I go through my suspects, motives, victim, killer, second victim, everything else. I write it straight through. I don't even put chapter breaks in there. And it takes me three months to write a book from start to completely edit and finish. And then it goes off to beta readers and an editor. Um, aside from that, I do promo-related stuff every day, whether it's working on website, SEO. It's usually pretty boring stuff like that. I don't do much out front over um, promo at all. It's pretty much just all very subtle. Nice. So promos every day. That's that's a good – I think that's a really good tip for writers because that's something – you don't have to be, you know, marky spammy. You can actually give value with your promotions and then just say, hey, by the way, I have a book. Like, check it out. Exactly. You can definitely do that. And it's easy enough to do even for people who are very introverted. There's ways that you can be subtle about it. You can have it on your, you know, your email signature line, can have um, newsletter sign-ups. You can be, I think, just in a way you don't have to be obnoxious about it at all for those of us who are not as out there and more introverted. There are ways of doing it. And just little little bits every day can make a tremendous difference. Even things like, and when I lump under promo, it's things like keyword, um, search engine optimization, all of that type of stuff that goes on in the background that can help us to be more visible. But if you break it down into really small bits and you know just 15 minutes at a time, I think it makes a really big difference in, in who can find us and find our books. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you keep yourself focused on the success that you want to achieve and really maintain your pro writer mindset even when things are a little bumpy? Like obviously as an author, things are not perfect and you sort of already said some things that have happened. So how do you keep that focus? Because I think a lot of writers, especially in the very early stages or the very beginning of their writing career, they don't know how to do that. And so if they get a rejection or if someone sends them a hate mail or they get a negative review or something, it almost crushes everything for them. And they almost don't want to get back up or don't want to keep going. So how do you do that for yourself? I, you know, that's tricky. Um, a lot of writers that I know, I knew a lot of traditionally published writers who said they never read their reviews ever. They never read them. And to me, I didn't find that to be a helpful method, although I think that different people can use different methods to help prevent that from happening. Um, just strictly on the subject of reviews, 
I do look at reviews in a very analytical way, and I try to kind of put that analytical mindset on. And I want to see, because I'm writing for these people, and this is primarily what I'm, what I'm writing for now. I used to be maybe writing for myself, and maybe that at the beginning is very helpful to power through. But now I'm writing almost completely for my readers. Um, and that, that may seem backwards, but it helps me to really put them at the forefront and write for them, and it helps keep me a lot more motivated than something just primarily for myself. But when I look at the reviews, I try to find what's wrong. Is there a common theme? What didn't they like? You know, did some character not ring true? And I make a list of the things that I see most commonly mentioned, and usually there there's something there. There's something there that can help me in my writing. I'm always looking for ways to improve. So I think that's helpful just from strictly a, a review standpoint, but I think you can also apply that to other areas as well. Um, as I mentioned with rejection with agents and publishers, again, you know, obviously they don't need to be on our team if they can't sell. Uh, a publisher as well, you know, if you're submitting directly to a publisher and, and they don't want it, they don't think they can sell it. So that's not going to be helpful either. Uh, but there's, you know, there's other rejections um, that can happen too. I mean, obviously we can look at our own work and just, I mean, I've looked at stuff I've written before and been like, what was I doing today? You know, <laughs> was I <just laughs> distracted? I mean, what is this horrible, horrible writing that I'm seeing that obviously came out of my word processor? Um, I think it, it's helpful just to, I, I just, I don't know how to put it, but it's, I try to turn off that creative side. And I try to look at it as strictly as a business person. You know, how can I improve? What can I change? Is it just them? You know, is there if if there's a way to make an alliance with this agent or this publisher or you know this publication, I'll do that. But if it's not going to help me out, then I'm definitely you know I, it shouldn't be any you know no love lost there. I mean, if it's not going to help me, then there's no point in doing it. And um, I think looking at it as a business, and that's so hard. And I'm hearing myself say these things, and I'm like, I know when I started out, I probably did not feel that way. But And then you're so passionate about it, obviously. But that's the thing. I mean, it's a business. And I think the sooner that we can kind of switch over to that, the more it helps us to be, I hate to say colder about it, but if we can take a less personal approach to our work, I think ultimately it will it will definitely help you. And at this point, I'm about 21 books in. And I remember when I used to feel like the book was my baby, you know, <laughs> um, those first few books. And you hate to hear anything bad about your baby. But after that, and I had 21 babies, I mean, you can't keep up with that many babies. <laughs> you just keep moving on. And it becomes less personal. So I would say also, if you can get more work out there, then you stop caring as much about the work that you that you have, and you don't take it as personally because there's so much work that you've done, um, and that's and you can do that. Like I said, three pages a day, you can end up with a whole bunch of books in a relatively short period of time. I love that. So take the emotion out of it, basically. Just make it so yeah. that you're looking at it from an outside perspective and not from the perspective of this is my my baby, my creation that I've made. Yeah. I And that's, I mean, for me, that was the best way. And I know that sounds, it, it kind of goes against what you think of when you think of an artist. Um, and they're, they're supposed to be passionate about their work. And, and it's not that I'm not. It's just that I also am aware 
if if I get my mental mindset whacked out, I'm not going to be able to produce. And I like my income. <laughs> I want to keep producing. I don't need to get sidelined by, you know, getting my feelings hurt, which of course you can get your I mean, it's not to say I don't ever get my feelings hurt because sometimes I'll be like, oh, my gosh, this person just absolutely hated my book. <laughs> and, of course, that hurts. But, you know, usually even with a really hateful review, there's something there. There's still something there that I can take and um, see if I can improve later on. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because if there are common things people are saying or even just in general, it's good to look at the reviews of, okay, this is somebody who read my work and is now giving me their opinion, and it may be something I can use to actually improve and be better the next time. Exactly. That's exactly that's right. A, that's a good way to frame it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, I'm going to ask this one because a lot of writers will think, once you're really successful or once you've got a lot of books published or, you know, when you become a bestseller or whatever it is, you don't have the same fears and doubts and, um, you know, the same stuff come up that people have in the beginning. And I know that's not true, so I would love to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not true. And I I think my the, what helps me the most is I actually have favorite passages of mine that I've written that were good. You know, I mean, it was just my character voice was spot on. It was a day where I was just really on and the light, the writing is really lively and fun, and it's just exactly what I wanted to put out. And I'll take those passages, I put them in a special Word doc, and if there's a day where I feel like I am just not nailing the story at all, then I can open that up and look at it. And I also have reader, you know, positive reader reviews and positive reader emails. My readers, um, they do contact me a lot. Um, I probably get an email about every other day from them. They're they're just very vocal and they like to communicate. And sometimes it's a problem, and sometimes they want to tell me something nice. And so I keep all the nice ones and put that in a folder. And if I'm having a day where I just feel like I'm just completely overwhelmed with stuff, then I look at that. And it really helps me to say, okay, I can write really well, and people do like my writing. Even if it's a day where I'm getting really just slammed on reviews or there's other problems come up. Right now, I got an email last week from somebody. It was a traditionally published book as well. And starting with page 176, it was someone else's book from that point on. So some sort of horrible production era at Penguin Random House's printer um, caused her to have a whole other author's book in the back end of her book. Things like that. Oh, <laughs> you get, wow. Like a really <laughs> So I you know, and you, you just are trying to deal with things like that. And she was like the third person who has who has emailed me to that extent. I don't know how many of those are out there. And so I was like, you know, it's just more important to keep this to keep this reader. So I I send out a copy for my own stash, you know, I'll sign it. And she wasn't mad, but she was just like, What on earth? You know, and I'm like, I'm with you. What? what on earth is that about? Um, So even things like that, I don't know. I mean, not just you. Things like this happen even at publishing companies. They have bad days. Sometimes weird stuff goes on. Um, It's just important to trust, you know, our own abilities. You know, everybody's going to have a rough day sometimes. Go back and look at the positive things, your good writing um, samples and everything else that you've collected. 
that can make you feel you know, good about yourself and good about your story again. Awesome. I love that tip. That's so great and to have the stuff that you have written that's really good and your reader reviews and things and just sort of have them for the days when you need them. That's awesome. Yeah, it does. it's just a natural way to get back on track. And it probably makes it easier to keep going, especially when you know you have to write and you're not feeling it. Yeah, and that's I mean, frequently the way. And uh, that's um, that's another thing. I mean, you can get writer's block where it's not even writer's block, I don't think. Sometimes it's just this not feeling motivated at all. I was way behind deadline for the first time ever, and that was on book 20, actually. And it was earlier this year. It was that first book that I self-published that I took from Penguin Random House. And I just felt incredibly conflicted about it. I missed my editor, who had been kind of a collaborator on the series with me. And I, um, one of the characters in the book is a dog that unfortunately died right like in Chapter 2 of that book. And so it was um, very difficult. I was like, I don't think I ever need to include a pet of mine again. This is a lesson to me. Um, that made it very difficult to write about the dog as if it were alive when it was not. Um, and then just not feeling really motivated, just feeling worried about, you know, is this book as good as the traditionally published books in the same series? Is a reader going to be able to notice the difference? That, you know, they're like, I didn't want them to be like, oh, well, it was, you know, a penguin book, and then it just, you know, and then it became her book, and then it wasn't any good anymore. So we all have these these days where, or just months, really. I mean, I every day I just kept on writing, and I felt like this couldn't be very good because I didn't feel very motivated. But I went back through it, and there were parts that were not very good. But, you know, you can fix that. You just can't fix the blank page. And so I was able to go back, and, you know, obviously time had gone by and stuff, and make it so it was snappier, you know, less flat. And it was so much better. And if I can write through that, you know, I felt like, well, I can write through anything. So we all have that. You know, it doesn't have to be book one or two. It could be far along. I mean, like I said, it can be book 20 was probably the hardest book I've ever had to write. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But I love how you say you push through because you have to. I mean, that's the thing I think writers don't realize a lot of times is you don't write when you're – people who are successful don't write when they're inspired. They write all the time no matter what. doesn't matter if they're busy. doesn't matter if – they're sick, that you know, whatever, they write. And that's how I think the difference between a pro and someone who's not a pro. It is. And, I mean, even on, I mean, I guess there was probably a couple of days in there where I was like, I just cannot progress this story today. But even then, you can you can do stuff to make the story easier when you come back to it. So I would make, you know, a list of five possible ways to end the book, five reasons the killer did it and clues to the killer just even little short things, three things I didn't know about my, my protagonist, you know, that can surprise readers if I include them. Um, little stuff like that, even on the absolutely most unmotivated, lifeless day that you could possibly have, they really help. It's just like really short, snappy, brainstorming sessions, and you can count that towards your writing progress. And um, it, it works really well for me. It helps me to bring the spark back. Um, sometimes when I just I cannot push through in a linear way on the manuscript, that just gives me a little extra motivation and still helps me to make the story better when I come back to it. Yeah, that's awesome. Really good. Just to keep going and, and 
even when you can't write, to just do something related to the story every single day. Exactly. Love it. Awesome. All right. My very last question for you is if you can share your favorite, you know, writing tip or your favorite, um, you know, just little piece of advice that you would give to either a new writer or a writer who maybe is thinking about this dual publishing, traditionally publishing, self-publishing, and they're not really sure, I would love to just hear your tips on that. I would say as far as my top writing tip, and this is, always sounds crazy when I say it, but it's to set the bar really low, that it's more important to be consistent with your writing than it is to make a tremendous word count each day. Um, so I would think, what is the bare, bare, bare minimum that I can write each day? I mean, even even five minutes. You can do so much in five minutes. I mean, I can do a page really in five minutes' time. And that, I think, makes you feel like every day you have this string of little successes, and that can make us feel a lot more motivated to continue instead of having just these, I mean, you know, and I hear people say, oh, I have, you know, 5,000 words or whatever, and, and I know that happens, but, boy, it's easy to burn out. I think it's much easier to have these little these little short writing sessions every day and just feel that sense of accomplishment and let that confidence grow than to try to knock out, you know, the bulk of your book as fast as you can. And then in terms of trad versus self-pub, I would write the book, and then when you look at it, try to think about, I mean, for me, I would say how commercial is it? I mean, again, looking at it strictly as a as a business thing, um, and why why do you need to have it traditionally published? I think sometimes validation is very important for writers, and that's probably because you were insecure about our talent. And I can totally understand because, you know, you can think, well, at least the traditional publisher wanted me, and you can feel that, that confidence coming from that. But if you don't need that, for me, moving forward, I don't think I'm going to be querying any, any publishers. I think I'm probably going to handle it all my own, and just until, I mean, the, the publishing industry shakes out a little bit. It's it's just really going through um, a lot of mergers and a lot of shaky stuff right now. So I would just look at the motivation on why I wanted to go to traditional publishing if it was, like I said, if it was validation. If it's because you're not really sure about being able to handle covers and formatting and all of that, I totally understand that. Um, but I will say that traditional publishing is still a lot of promo work because they really don't do the promotion anymore. So if it's promo, just know that if you go TradPub, you're going to still need to do promotion. But if you would like to do, if you're interested in self-pub, there are companies out there, you just need to read your contracts with them closely that can help you to put out a self-published book and they can help you with your, your cover and formatting and that sort of Thing. If you're worried about the learning curve, you just need to make sure they don't retain any any rights. Or I think it'd be better to give them a one-time payment and not have them take your royalty. And that's my my only advice on that. It's it's a tricky time, but like I said, I don't think there's any bad options. If you're not happy with Trad Pub and you and you try it out, you can always get your or most of the time, make sure you have an agent who looks at your contract or you carefully look at your contract. And make sure that you can get your rights back um, if it if y'all just decide that you don't want to do business with each other anymore. 
awesome. This has been so great. I I literally wrote down a whole page of tips from you. So this was awesome. I'm <laughs> good. I'm glad. So tell us where we can find you online. And again, I'm going to put these links in the, the show notes. But if you just want to share what you're working on right now or where people can go check you out, I would love to just let you do that. Sure. Um, I am at ElizabethSpanCraig.com, and I have several different series. I've got two that are active right now, and I'm currently outlining the book All to Pieces for Southern Quilting Number 7, I think it is. I hope you'll come by and visit me online. Awesome. Go check her out, guys, and thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I will catch you next time.